the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, welcome everybody. This is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and uh, with me here today, our dear brother John Spann, whom we uh, spent wonderful uh, time last episode, last week, to talk about a very um, interesting but troubling project uh, that deals with the translation of the Gospels uh, or the biography of our Lord, as they put it, because they used those who are involved in this translation project use Islamic terminologies and they called it Siratul Masih, which to a Muslim mind immediately the word Sira indicate biography, but in this case instead of Siratul Rasulullah, meaning the biography of the Messenger of Allah, which means Muhammad, they're applying it to our Lord Jesus Christ. On the surface, some of you might say, well, yeah, that's brilliant. You know, I don't see any problem with this. We're just trying to uh, simplify and contextualize the gospel to our Muslim people until you discover that that there is much deeper issues below the surface in taking biblical terminologies and switching them around. In other words, at the end of the day, this biography of the Christ, al-Masih, the Messiah, becoming actually more of an Islamic Christ more so than a biblical Christ. Uh, Brother John, thank you again for uh, joining us, and uh, for those of you who weren't with us last week, our dear brother uh, served uh, for 15 years in Muslim-majority context in West Africa and in the Middle East, and he's involved basically with observations in relationship to um, mission works to the Muslim people. Uh, Thank you for joining us again, brother. Uh, it's It's a pleasure to be back. So last week we were talking about your article uh, that you wrote in response to uh, the author of Sirat al-Masih, David Owen. You called your article, uh, and I'm going to read the exact title here for people, uh, where they can find it, by the way, on the Journal of Global Christianity, Volume 3, Issue Number 1, February 2017. It is titled, The Mother of the Books. A Case Study of the Consequences of a Seminal Muslim Idiom Translation. And it's really, uh, the the use of words here is intentional because the word mother of the books applies to the Quran. In fact, the Quran in a variety of uh, uh, chapters and verses like chapter 13, verse 39, 43, verses 3 and 4, 56, 77 to 80, and so on and so forth, calls the Quran... Um al-Kitab, or the mother of the books, meaning the source of all other scriptures. So you can see the problem here when you begin to apply terminology like this to the Bible. And then 
um, you know, John, uh, you gave people a chart to explain to them the devastation of this idea that started it back in the 80s and how far it went. Anything you want to add to that, brother, before we proceed with other topics related to this? Well, yeah, uh, beside this um, translation, if we could call it, uh, David Owen wrote an article in 1991 uh, under the initials D.O., Jesus Movement Within Islam. That article, I would say, is probably the most influential article around on the formation of insider movements uh, in terms of strategy towards reaching Muslims. So Owen is very, very influential in the world of ideas. Uh, I was just alerted to the fact that in a lot of ways, what Owen has done here, the most reprehensible thing that Owen has done in this work is that I think he has created a false Jesus. Even his title, A Jesus Movement Within Islam, you've got to ask which Jesus is this that's moving within Islam. Absolutely. I mean, uh, as a former Muslim, I can tell you no Muslim that I come across or you probably came across will ever uh, uh, say anything denigrating toward Jesus. Uh, uh, To the contrary, they tell you we love Jesus, we care for Jesus, we respect Jesus. They'll even take it a step further and say, you know, we even have an entire chapter named after his mother, chapter 19 uh, called Mary. So uh, they're obviously not going to look at uh, look at this as a negative thing, of course. Uh, the problem, and I want to simplify it for my listeners, uh, brother here, um, is that Muslims already are fascinated with this idea that Muhammad is found in the Bible and that Jesus is just a human prophet made by God at a certain point in history, regardless of the fact that he's exceptional. It doesn't mean a thing to them. And yet we're playing right into their theology. Isn't that true? Exactly. Uh, Case in point, one uh, scholar analyzed David Owen's Lord's Prayer. And, you know, I I think you would agree with me that the way that people pray really teaches you a whole lot about their theology. And Mark Bowman said, what Jesus intended to teach in the Lord's Prayer is distorted and lost in this particular text. Uh, Absolutely. And Mark Bowman wrote a book on Christology uh, and uh, critiquing, basically, and analyzing the Islamic Christology versus biblical uh, Christology. So he knows what he's talking about. For sure. I think if if we can jump to how he rendered the uh, <clears throat> rendered the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but just before that, if you want to see the slide of within David Owen, uh, here he had he had said himself, I believe that a Muslim follower of Jesus can repeat the Shahada with conviction. In a Jesus moment in Islam, Muhammad is would be seen as an Old Testament prophet. Um, there are references to violence and polygamy in the Old Testament. Maybe such a heresy could become a stepping stone. We can't be heresy hunters. Uh, I, I would, you could probably wax more eloquently than I on that particular quote. Well, I am. I'm trying to recover from my heart attack right now. So uh, <laughs> while you're doing this, um, it, it's it's really disturbing to me. It's absolutely disturbing to me. And by the way, brother, I have the uh, David Owens 
uh, you know, Lord Prayer in front of me. Would you like to maybe take a stab at it? Sure. Uh, when you do Salat, okay, that's prayer in the, that's an Islamic uh, word. Call upon your Lord humbly. I guess, um, uh, Allahumma, Lord of the world. Let your great remembrance be lifted up. May your wise counsel be executed. May your true deen be victorious in both the invisible and the visible worlds. Uh, I don't know. Uh, somehow the father um, fell off the uh, fell off the planet or something here. Yeah, and and by the way, I mean you did mention your article um, that um, at least in the ninth century. Um, a Muslim made a translation of the Lord Prayer, actually, to win over Christians to Islam. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he was, uh, he, he was even a little bit more uh, okay. He didn't use Father either. Uh, but as you read this Lord's Prayer, to me, if the if you can't render the Lord's Prayer accurately, maybe that has to be the acid test of all of these Muslim idiom translations. Take a look at the Lord's Prayer. If it's if it's wrong, probably the rest of the theology is wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what a disturbing thing. So, uh, brother, tell me, what, what, what else was surprising to you during your research on this particular issue? Just the drive with which some Western ideologues had in order to propagate this it's like they had a mission to to make this to push this to the ends of the earth it's like they had this evangelistic passion but it was to push this garbage to the ends of the earth and that uh perhaps they were doing it for numbers perhaps they're saying you know we're going to change and make a new paradigm but Obviously, there was money behind some of this because um, uh, the re the person who raised the money for the Muslim idiom work, the true meaning of the gospel of Christ by uh, Malui and Frontiers and, and Al-Kalima, big, big money came behind that. But they themselves say that their work, the true meaning of the gospel of Christ, uh, was founded, stood on the shoulders of this work. Right, right. And that's a whole different uh, book, by the way. In fact, people can Google the history of the Arabic Bible translation, and you will notice uh, this uh, true meaning, uh, basically, of the Gospels. And now, uh, in 2016, a new edition came out that includes also the Book of Acts, I believe, and, uh, and other portions of the Bi uh, New Testament. Yep. And so just the fact that then even a large translation agency, uh, the likes of um, Rick Brown and others who were enamored with this idea, they came out and said, you know, this this is really good stuff. Um, it might, you know, it could have, as they said, quote, benefited from some exegetical input uh, from a trained consultant, but they didn't get the idea that it didn't need cosmetic surgery. It was philosophically wrong from the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. And, um, uh, you know, have you interviewed any um, 
you know, missionaries on both sides of the aisle related to this. And uh, what was their, if you did, of course, what was the reactions you're getting? Can you say more are in, in favor of this or is it equally half and half for and against or what is the mood out there? I would say that I would say that nationals, for instance, here's a quote from a, a Bangladeshi. The insider movement people went to the American Bible Society to push the Bangla Bible Society because they knew that the Bangla Bible Society is getting money from the American Bible Society. And they told them with money behind it to accept this kind of translation. And so Western money is pushing this kind of thing onto other areas. Uh, I'm convinced, and I've spoken to the main proponent of this in Bangladesh, who's an American, and he's convinced that um, the Quran, the the Gospels, uh, the the Zabur, the Taurat, and the um, help me with the last one. Uh, the Injil, you mean? The Injil, that they all form one gospel. Hmm. Just think of his theology. He says you need the Quran and these other three, which are parts of the Bible-ish, to form one gospel. Wow. Is this Jesus big enough or not? Is this word of God powerful enough or not? Right. Absolutely. And of course... Uh... Uh, this leads into other projects, like, for instance, the story of the prophets that in, in some translations actually was adopting similar methodologies. Yeah. Uh, where these things go, and what, what happens is there's not always limits on how these ideas can can flow for instance, now there are audio versions of the lives or stories of the prophets that's distributed by Sabil Media. They swear up and down that what they're doing is orthodox, but who's going to actually tell if they are not fooling around and doing exactly what David Owen did? Yeah. Brother, I mean, if you want to uh, pinpoint, like we talked about, the Son of God is an issue, Father is an issue. What else you noticed as well um, in this particular project that is troubling theologically, for instance, uh, before we move on maybe to uh, the final uh, segment of this show? First of all, it's based on a receptor-focused communication. That is, it's not so worried about honoring the author of the text— that is the triune God, and representing what he has said accurately, it's all about how can the receptor get it, and kind of a whatever-it-takes approach. And that flows into the monkey business with which Owen and company have used. Yep. So, in other words, you're relying on the person who's hearing the gospel to make the determination what is acceptable to them or not. Exactly. And and that actually, again, the scripture says if many times that the unregenerate mind is darkened in its understanding. It's in the futility. Uh, you were once darkness. So it describes 
the mind, the effect on the mind, the thinking processes of those outside of Christ as darkened. Uh, quite curiously, isn't it, that Islam refers to those who are previous to Islam as those walking in darkness. And now, somehow, they're trying, this methodology is trying to say that the darkness is somehow light. Right, right. It's it's really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, brother, it's, uh, it breaks my heart because I've been really uh, trying to uh, discern the wisdom behind approaches like this. Obviously, because I care for my people. I want sure. them to get the message. But the more I uh, analyze those movements and those methodologies and read some of their articles and dig deeper into some of the tools that were utilized, I actually get disturbed, not rejoice. Because, simply put, I doubt my people are receiving the true gospel. They're not receiving the full gospel that saves. They're receiving portions that tickle their ear. And of course, anyone doesn't have any problem hearing about a gospel that fits with their theology as long as they are comfortable with their setting. They're not challenged. They're not intimidated. They're not really uh, feeling the need now to look different. And the tension will rise between them and their community, of course, it makes it much easier for me to fit within my community, adapting to my own idea and theology, than to look this odd person that is against the norm. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Couldn't agree more. And uh, it, it's curious that um, one uh, Bangladeshi brother said, people who adopt these kind of strategies, they're they are like men who try to cross the river with one foot in e one foot in two different each foot in a different canoe <laughs> well i think that's a pretty graphic picture right so brother um what would you advise um missionaries and churches uh whether those who are involved already or maybe they are starting to wonder about getting involved in projects like this, but yet at the same time, really, they're not fully aware of issues like this. You know, sometimes this is, this is sold with a bill of goods that you can't believe the, how rich the terminology is. David Owen came across with words like spirit-led harvesters who are going to catalyze a new movement and that we have to get, be, get behind the text and so on. And, you know, those are very, very appealing. But they actually really meant nothing. Uh, so that would be one area to, to really, as the scriptures say, to test the spirits. Secondly, some of these can hijack what I think are like conservative magazines. Owen used the conservative magazine seedbed in order to advance his agenda. Uh you know, Blackstone Presbyterian Church, they thought this was a game-changing missionary strategy. Um, but um, actually, they got used. Their money and finances were used. Ditto for two other major mission agencies. They should have known that their personnel were both devoting time and energy to this venture. But somehow the supervision just was not there. 
You know, brother, uh, if, if I were to approach a church or a mission agency, which I did in the past, they look at me like this guy who is going through psychological problems because he left Islam. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm crazy for the Lord. Let's put me aside. Have you tried to approach somebody like, uh, you know, Blackstone or others and say, let me explain to you what happened and what was the reaction you received? Uh, I have actually tried to write them, uh, but unfortunately haven't, have not had a response from that. You know, churches love to brag about their successes. In some way, this is a bit of a black eye if you look at it. In fact, unfortunately, David Owen uh, went on to, as was reported, to join some kind of a Buddhist-like group in uh, South or Central America, marriage failures, etc. We don't, we can't talk about those things. I think we have to be. I think it's time, actually, that in the mission world, we did a little bit more missionary forensics. We look at, okay, what is going on? What didn't work? If there's a car crash by Ford, they don't just say, well, you know, whatever. Um, you know, the sky had fallen. No, they say, okay, maybe we have to dig down. Maybe that strut that we engineered was just actually defective. But in the mission world, we're very reticent to actually call a spade a spade and say, this did not work. And this is why. Amen, brother. Amen. We pray for wisdom, of course. We pray for conviction by our Holy Spirit. But nevertheless, you know, I, I want to tell everybody who's listening to us right now, um, whether you're thinking about mission work among Muslims or you're a church that really have a heart to reach the Muslims, I have some good news for you. Of course, there is the real good news in the gospel, but I have another good news to add to it. They're right here in your backyard. They're right here in the U.S., in North America. They're right here in Europe. So you can just take a, a quick drive to there and just share the gospel with them freely. And you don't have to really get entangled with these MIT and IM and all these terminologies that give me brain damage sometimes. So why can't <laughs> we do this? Rather, I feel like the church always wants to go overseas. They, I want to spend the money over there. And the, and the result no accountability sometimes or less accountability. And then when we discover that we were played uh, basically for and we were taken for uh, basically for a ride, obviously there is a black eye now and we're embarrassed to share it because now that's a failure. Who wants to report a failure? Sure. Yeah, that's, saying it, that's saying it very, very well. Yeah. Uh, God has engineered this time in this day and time where yeah, our Muslims are now our neighbors, and they love people who are bold about their faith. People in North America think, well, if I'm really nuanced and I'm not bold, uh, well, then, um, uh, then you know, they'll like me better. Actually, uh, the example of Jay Smith standing on a ladder boldly proclaiming the gospel in Hyde Park and a Muslim coming up to him later after a... Uh, some wishy-washy person came up. The Muslim came up and hugged him and said, I know you believe what you believe, and I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and uh, you, you ought to watch Jay Smith showing the 26 Qurans in Hyde Park and see how, how many Muslims are around him. But nevertheless, uh, we will talk about that at a later time. Brother, thank you so much, by the way, for joining me here. In, in less than a minute, how can people really uh, maybe uh, learn more about what you're doing and so on and so forth? 
Well, I think you kindly uh, pointed people towards the article. Uh, I also write some articles on um, biblical missiology, and uh, perhaps we could direct people there. And I think this Lone Ranger idea, the Lone Ranger missionary has to go. We are built for community. The church, we are saved into community, and there is safety in that. Amen. And I want to just uh, make this appeal to everybody who's listening. Please hear me out. My Muslim people are not a guinea pig. They're not a lab for testing. They are in need of a savior. They're in bondage, and they need someone to rescue them and set them free. And only the gospel of my Lord can do this. This is your host, Al-Fadi. You're listening to Let Us Reason. Thank you so much for joining us in another wonderful episode with my dear brother, John Spann. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.